Well, hello, guys. Welcome to the Elsa Kurt Show. I'm Elsa Kurt, and today I have yet another fantastic guest for you. I'm super excited to introduce Pedro Israel Orta. see if I can get them, if I can get all of the things. Uh, You are, sir, you are a a CIA whistleblower, which is all by itself is huge. You are a man of God. You are a patriot and um, you're a Cuban like me. So I'm super excited to meet you. How are you today? Pleasure to meet you, Elsa. Thank you for this opportunity. Yes, I've got a unique background. Cuban-American born and raised in Miami. Uh, Graduated down there from FIU, went to Washington, D.C. to work for CIA, spent almost 19 years working at CIA, eventually ran into some things, had to blow the whistle, which is basically just reporting what you reasonably believe evidence is wrongdoing, supposed to report it. Well, I reported it, and it led to a a lot of different reprisals. Ultimately, though, I'm a licensed minister, eventually became ordained. So I'm an ordained Christian minister, integrity, honor, values, doing what is right is important to me. And I stuck to my allegations. They fired me. So I moved on and now I'm in ministry. Wow. So that's incredible. So let's let's start right with the the whole CIA thing. Um it's ironic, isn't it? It's it's so ironic that you were doing your job which they apparently did not want you to do in this particular case. Um, what can you tell us about that? And I know you said that off air, you said there's some things that have not come out yet. So, you know, with respect to that and with respect to what you're able to talk about right now, can you kind of give us the background of what happened? The, the, the main gist of what happened was I was a manager in a war zone the, working for another manager. I was the deputy chief. I had the chief. And we had subordinates under us. Uh, I was working for a really nice lady. I always spoke highly of the woman. Uh, I've always had really great working relationship with women. But in this particular case, this lady was a bit challenged. Working in a war zone is really a tough environment. She was separated from her family, had some sons. The food is not the best. The dirt, the noise, the grind, the rockets, the threats, everything wasn't working out well for her. And it was leading to uh, employees being put in danger unnecessarily. It was creating a hostile work environment for one of the subordinates. And eventually what happened was it just the situation just blew up. It wasn't handled appropriately. When I took it to the superiors above us, they did not like it. They didn't do anything about it. When I finally had to talk to her about it, she was not in a mental state to get it and to understand it. And I knew that from my prior training, she still didn't get it. So the situation blew up, a subordinate was harassed. And instead of fixing the problem, what they chose to do was lie about this subordinate and accuse him of doing things he had not done. And I basically spoke up on his behalf And by speaking up on his behalf, I put myself on the X and I became a target. 
So at that moment in time, the best thing for me to do was take a vacation early called the rest and relaxation R&R. And while I'm an R&R, I get called to headquarters in Washington, D.C., and I'm being told that I'm not going back. So I finish my R&R, I report back to headquarters, and then I start peeling back what's going on here. It turns out that they basically came up with a laundry list of things accusing me of doing all kinds of bad things. And they, they basically just destroyed my career, destroyed my employability. Uh, I couldn't get any jobs inside the CIA. I basically had to run out of the CIA, run for cover, and do a joint duty assignment with the Office of Inspector General for the Intelligence Community. And I kind of took shelter there. And I remained there for a period of time until things started happening in that office. And then I was sent back to CIA. When I get back to CIA, that was two years after these reprisals. So the months, the weeks turn into months, months turn into years. So I'm back at CIA and I'm trying to get resolution to my initial reprisal allegations. I ran into all kinds of roadblocks. Uh, I was told you need to talk to the IG. You need to talk to EEO. So I went to the appropriate authorities to report all these matters. And all I ran into was EEO not wanting to help. Basically, they're trying to shut down my case. Same thing from the IG. All of it documented on paper and in writing and in emails. Uh, eventually, I had to retain a lawyer. That was a long process because I had to get CIA approvals. So with that particular attorney, a lawsuit was filed asking the court under the Administrative Procedure Act to get the government to act, to get the IG to do their job, do an investigation. So eventually the IG does basically a half-cooked job of not talking to everybody needed to be talked to, not looking at all the evidence needed to be looked at, and taking key witness material with a limited scope of questions. Basically, they were doing basically a fraudulent investigation. So they came out with a finding that no qualifying personal action was taken, but this was based on not having done a complete investigation. Unknown to me at the time was the fact that the IG, CIAIG, was compromised. The CIAIG office had an acting IG. The acting IG was under investigation for having taken reprisals against people in his own office. The IG that was in place was literally fired by Obama. So his deputy became the acting IG because they had done some wrongdoing in that office and they had taken reprisal against their own people. It turns out a couple of years after the fact that those allegations were substantiated. So that entire IG office was completely compromised on matters of anything having to do with doing a reprisal investigation. On top of that, when I worked for the Office of Inspector General for the Intelligence Community, I worked on an evaluation to evaluate the reprisal protections given to employees in the intelligence community. And it turns out there's an article out there, The Daily Beast, where there really aren't any protections. All we have is just a piece of paper. Mm. None of the agencies know what to implement or how to implement. They don't follow the policies, the standards, procedures to adjudicate alleged violations. 
of basically what, what is considered U.S. law. Mm. It's a presidential directive, PPD-19, which is the equivalent in power as an executive order, which is the equivalent in power to the United States Code Law. And in reality, Congress did pass a law to codify those protections. So any employee in the intelligence community who reasonably believes that he has seen what it is a violation of law, waste, fraud, abuse, significant and specific endangerment to public safety, or gross waste of any type, he's mandated by law actually to report it to the appropriate authorities. Those mm -hmm. authorities could be their superiors. It could be a head of an agency. It could be the IG or any designated official. I followed all those procedures. That, and I'm not the only one. There's other employees who have run into the same situation. Mm -hmm. So ultimately what happened is, is I'm trying to get resolution to my case. Then they start basically coming after me. What I mean by that is, as I'm going to the IG, let me see the report. As I'm going to uh, the DNI, I actually went to uh, Daniel Coates, which is the head of the DNI at the time. Mm -hmm. I went to uh, the deputy director of national intelligence, Sue Gordon. I went all the way up to Mike Pompeo through his uh, yeah. designated uh, number three, Brian Bulatow. When I went up all, to all these officials, the reprisals against me intensified. Now the Office of Security starts going after me. And the Office of Security basically accused me of being a threat to the workforce. But try to get resolution to these matters. So eventually what they do is they, they basically one day I'm driving in to another building for a meeting and they actually had a bolo on me. Be on the lookout for. Wow. Um, so I'm driving up to the gate. There's armed security, you know, M4s, you know, and I pull up to the gate. You know, I got to show my badge. I show my badge to the lady. The lady looks at it and takes a step back. It's like, ah, wow. <laughs> Ooh, uh, uh, sir, can I have your badge? Did you recognize right away what was happening in that moment? Did you realize that that was all for you at that moment or you were blindsided? Uh, I had an indicator of this happening mm -hmm. because the day prior, the office of security, the chief of personnel security division who manages, manages threats, basically wanted to call me to a meeting to throw me under the bus accusing me of being all kinds of things that were all lies. I documented all this. Mm -hmm. I sent it all to DNI coats, Sue Gordon, uh, Mike Pompeo, Brian Bulatow. I sent it to all these people, letting them know that these are reprisals. You're taking or threatening personnel actions against me for my protected disclosures. Uh, I did not go to the meeting and I told them I will not go to your meeting. You need to apologize to me because you're taking reprisals against me. I have followed the statute. I have followed the law. I have done what I'm supposed to be doing. You're the folks that are violating the laws. So, so uh, you know. Yeah. I so, in. I mean, you went through all the proper channels. You did all of the documentation. You did all of the things that you were supposed to be doing in the scope of your job. 
And it was, you know, I mean, from my perspective, my outsider perspective, it's, it kind of like, I go back to the, the woman who kind of started this whole, whole chain of events, really, that, that was out of her, out of her league or out of her capacity in her job. Um, and the, the thing that keeps coming to mind is that she must have been very well connected to be that protected. Is, is that a fair assessment or is it too hard to say or? Well, you know. I'm an out trained analyst. You know, I've got years of work experience. Mm-hmm. I can piece things together. As I was able to start piecing things together, there were a couple of dynamics in place. One of them is they had a lady in a war zone managing a base in 2009. The lady was there, didn't have any experiences, and her decisions cost the lives of herself and six others. That was Coast, December 2009. Fast forward 2014, 2015, now we have another woman out in the base who's not qualified. Had they agreed with me, they would have been liable of sending an officer and putting an officer in charge of basically putting personnel at risk. Mm -hmm. It turns out that Director Brennan, about a year before I went out to be this deputy chief, had categorically stated I'm doing everything I can to keep people safe. So that's one issue. The other issue is there is a tendency of trying to put women in positions of leadership. And I understand it. I am in agreement with it. There are a lot of qualified women out there. But when you try to force basically a square peg in a round hole, you're going to run into problems. They put a lady in a war zone who had never been to a war zone. A lady that had been in a plush assignment overseas, the lady that really was out of place. The job we had was heavy military involvement. She had no experience working with the military. She was out of her place. So we've got Brennan. We've got her. You've got those two. You also had the issue of what specific and significant endangerment we had run into. We had run into indirect fire. A lot of rockets landing on us. Yeah. Well, it turns out that the risk of fragmentation from those rockets impacting were the gravest and most serious threat in these war zones. So had they agreed with me, they would have had significant liabilities. Yeah. I didn't, I never once asked them to agree with me. All I asked for them to do was give me another job that will keep my career moving but they refused to do that. They they basically refused to do anything at all Mm -hmm. to assist me in moving my career forward. Their attitude was to shut me down, beat and bully me until basically I would quit and leave the agency. But I'm not a quitter. I refused to quit. So I persisted and persisted and persisted until my persistence broke down their resistance. And the only action they can take was take more reprisals against me. And in, in, in this scenario, all I can do is just go in a document infantry. I just document, document, document. I became basically a documentation machine. Everything was documented. And ultimately, in part, I know some things got to Congress. Uh, but here lies the problem. Congress is the reason why we have this problem. Congress has failed to hold these agencies accountable for their reprisals. They have no interest in solving these problems. All they engage is in what I call grandstanding 
political theater, and showmanship. They talk a great talk, but ultimately they do nothing about these things. It is very easy for Congress right now to solve every single case of reprisal out there in the intelligence community. Mm -hmm. They can stop the funding for these IG offices until these IGs do correct investigations to meet the standards. And the standards are very explicit. They're supposed to follow the same standards that's followed by the Office of Special Counsel for whistleblowing, Title V. I mean, if an employee goes and talks to them and tells them, I've been taken, reprisals were taken against me, that office has 14 days to get back to the complainant and tell them, yes, we have probable cause, or no, we don't. If they have probable cause of a reprisal, now they have by law 180 days to conduct the investigation. And within those 180 days, they're supposed to be in constant communication with the complainant to make sure that the complainant has every document necessary to prove their complaint. In the case of the CIA, my case and numerous other cases, I mean, they didn't start investigating until reportedly possibly seven months after I went to them. Wow. And after I went to them, they didn't speak to me again another time until like three months after the fact. All these delays, not only these delays, but then they didn't talk to me again. And I have no knowledge whatsoever what they looked at, but I know from talking to people that they failed to talk to witnesses, multiple witnesses that could have validated what I stated were not talked to. And one that was talked to, that was a key witness, he was very limited. It's like, nope, just answer yes or no in your questions. And the questions were, as he stated, designed with a predetermined you know, goal in mind. Uh, ultimately, they don't follow none of the standards. Right. So, so, so is it a couple of things? Is it is it safe to say? Is it reasonable to say that they just wanted you and this issue to go away? I mean, exactly. It, That's yeah. what it is. So they didn't want to deal with the problem that they created, essentially, is what it comes down to. So it's almost like a, uh, an admission of guilt without saying we're guilty of screwing up basically, because we're just going to silence the person that's pointing out what we did wrong. I mean, that's kind of like the nutshell of the, the whole crux of this, right? That's the crux of it. Anytime yeah. there's a problem, they like to sweep it under the rug mm-hmm. and just do away with it and, right. ju- and just look forward. But, you know, ultimately that's going to come back to bite them. Right. Absolutely. What I mean by that is we already had the case of Snowden. Mm-hmm. Snowden did not use the system because prior to Snowden, there were other people at NSA who tried to use the system and the system came after them and pretty much destroyed them. So Snowden said, I'm not using this system. Forget it. So he went public. Now, post Snowden, they came up with PPD-19. They came up with mechanisms to deal with these issues. But here we have my case and there's been a few others out there. And it turns out that really nothing's been fixed. It's a dismal um, view of the whole thing. It just has to make you feel so frustrated and disheartened by the whole experience because, you know, I mean, you take, of course, the fact that they tried to and successfully destroy your career 
And, you know, and I keep going back to the fact that you were doing your job. You were doing what they asked of you to report on things that you believe to be either an issue or a problem. And you have somebody in a leadership position who is not qualified. And, you know, assumably, you know, one of the senior officials was connected to this woman, uh, you know, in some way or another, and now they can't backpedal because they put her in position where she shouldn't be. So many layers to that, really, because of the the state of the world that we're living in. You know, you you can't if you're female if it's a female or a person of color, you can't say anything, you can't do anything, because otherwise you're deemed sexist or racist or any of those things. And uh, we're not in a world where you're judged on your qualifications, right? I mean, and no. and to see that that's going on in in our government in this capacity is frightening. Because, you know, I want I want the people that are leading the country. I want the people that are flying our planes and fighting for our freedoms. I I want them to be qualified. I don't care what their gender is. I don't care. I don't care what their sexual preference is. I don't care what any of those things. I just want to know that you are qualified. And, you know, and here we here we are again hearing that that's not the case. That's not what we're getting. We're not getting qualified people. Yeah. And when you point it out, you, you get, you know, you lose your job and you get blacklisted and blackballed and all of that stuff. It's insane. And, you know, there, there's a lot of components of this story. I mean, before I went out there, before she went out there, both of us as managers went to what's called the senior review board, where we had to meet with each independent head of this particular office for the geographic area. And then at the very end, we have a board where we meet every single person in a room. And a lot of these issues are covered, uh, things that happen in that base. On top of that, we have a manual. There was a manual that said what to do, what not to do. And it was very clear. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I mean, I did not act out of the scope of what the authorities I was supposed to act within. I acted within the scope of those authorities. Uh, At the end of the day, you know, there's no accountability. And that's what that that is the problem. The problem is no accountability mm-hmm. that they can do the wrong that they want to do without paying a price for it. Pedro, tell me there's a book coming from this. I feel like we need to we need to hear and see this story uh, in its entirety, in its whole context. There is a book. I, I have a contract. I'm working on a book. Uh, the Broken Whistle, a deep state run amok, where I will talk about my journey at CIA. I mean, I had prior to this incident, other than some managers that came after me in another post with kind of similar false allegations, I had a stellar career. Uh, I, you know, I spent two years in Iraq, a year in Afghanistan, seven months in Yemen, two years in Colombia. Uh, went back to Afghanistan for three months. Uh, I had like six exceptional performance awards working in war zones. My pars were excellent. Even when I went to the IG, the ICIG, my performance was excellent. You know, we have a performance scale of one to five. Three is what you, you shoot for, which is basically you, 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 you're meeting expectations. Consistently, I was in the four range. In some cases, the five, never below three except for just that one incident that this lady just completely trashed me. I mean, if you were to read the evaluation she wrote, 
you can tell she had a problem and that I was not the problem. That was the kind of language in that evaluation. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm writing a book uh, and it, and there's more to it because then there's the issue of what happens after I leave the CIA, you know, the kangaroo court, the personal evaluation board, the office of security that took reprisals against me the second time are now evaluating me to try to kick me out of the agency. You know, the lack of action by Coates, Sue Gordon, who actually Sue Gordon responded to me and basically said, yeah, we got problems in the IGs. She admitted it. The Pompeo, the, his number three bullet did nothing for me. The, go figure. You know, I like the fact that, you know, he talks a great talk, but then behind the scenes, when opportunities do something, nothing happens. Mm. I mean, he's responsible for putting Haspel at CIA, who was basically protecting CIA from all this Russia allegations against Trump. And then while he was at state, basically, he did nothing. Mm. So I will get into a lot of little angles. I mean, the fact that after I'm out, I'm fighting from the outside in. It's the same fight. I'm fighting a system that's broken. I actually, you know, went all the way up to Horowitz. IG Horowitz was the chair of all the IGs called SIGI, Council for Inspector Generals. Okay. And now, you know, nothing happens. Absolutely nothing. Until at the time that... Vindman made his allegations against Trump with that phone call for the Ukraine. All of a sudden now, the ICIG responds to me that they're going to have somebody look at my case. Well, it turns out that they didn't look at my case. Mm. What, what happened was the Department of Energy IG decided to basically review the first allegation of reprisal that the CIA IG claimed to have investigated without giving me a chance to talk to them. Every attempt I made to talk to them, no response, nothing. And the second wave of reprisals were never looked at. So really nothing was done. Wow. But, but ironically, I went to IG Atkinson with my case in the summer of 2018. And it took him basically seven, it would be about 13, 14 months to respond. And it's basically an incomplete response, a a response that basically didn't do anything for me. And on top of that, when I finally also make some more, uh, I went as far as having to go back to the ICIG using the Intelligence Community Whistleblower Protection Act, known as the ICWPA. I used the ICWPA to make allegations that I had already made on the inside that were never responded to. So I'm basically resubmitting, but now I'm resubmitting from the outside, kind of dumbed down. What I mean by dumbed down is taking out all the classified information, no classified information, a little bit more generic. Basically, tell them, look for all these documents that I sent to you a year ago, two years ago, Those ICWPAs, they turn around and tell me, sorry, you can't file them. You're no longer employed. You're not an employee. You can't file them. So go pound sand. Wow. But when Vinman goes to the ICIG with his allegations against Trump, they immediately jump on it. 
And if you look at the law, Vinmen had no standing to use the ICWPA. The ICWPA is regarding the intelligence community, and you have to be an intelligence community employee or person, and it has to be an allegation under the authorities of the DNI. Those allegations were not under the authority of the DNI. So the DOJ Office of Legal Counsel issued a ruling saying, yeah, I mean, th these, these are not valid. You know, if, if there is a, a matter here, a violation of law, it'll have to be dealt with by DOJ, but not the ICIG, not the DNI. So the point is, if it's convenient for them, they will take immediate action. If it's not convenient for them, they won't do anything. Mm. They're willing to investigate allegations outside of the IC, outside of their scope, because it doesn't make them look bad. But don't you dare report bad things about us. You report bad things about us, we will shut you down. Mm-hmm. And and they have had, you know, over all the years, they have had that kind of power and control. And, you know, and I think there's a shift that's happening here. That, you know, people are done with this. They're done seeing the corruption. They're done seeing the poor leadership and the and the double standards and all of those things. And, and just as a regular civilian, what the fraction of what we know as regular civilians who have never been a part of this. Um, it, it must not even be the tip of the iceberg for what you guys are seeing and what you know. And um, that's mind blowing to me that, you know, that the fraction that I know makes my head explode and makes me so angry that they're getting away with this or that they have gotten away with this. So it's um, it's it's good to hear that the pushback is happening and that it's coming and that they're not and people like you are not going to be silenced, aren't going to be afraid uh, of the repercussions, you know, and, and do what's right. So I, I commend you for that because it takes Thank a you. lot of courage. It takes a lot of strength um, and um, patience. I, I think patience is probably a huge word here because you've, you've, this is a long, long process. So you said this all began in 2009. Is that right? In 2009, I was working overseas I had an incredible year from 2008 to summer 2008, basically through beginning of 2009. On top of that, I started there in summer 2007, summer 2007 to, to summer 2008. It was a great performance. I had an outstanding performance appraisal. I was promoted. Uh, and despite doing so good, 2000 seven to summer 2008 from summer 2008 to early 2009 i was given basically a lot more responsibilities i was told to do certain things i went out and do what i was told to do all documented and i turned in an incredible performance as far as what i did all documented but then all of a sudden they're telling me i'm underperforming you're not doing your job. So they start playing games with me. We're going to put you on a performance plan. We want you to do X, Y, Z. I start doing X, Y, Z. Uh, well, sorry, we no longer, no longer want you to do X, Y, Z. We want you to do A, B, C. So I started to do A, B, C. Well, we won't let you do A, B, C. You know, they stopped funding my work. 
you know, I write something, they don't release it. Mm-hmm. So it, it didn't happen because it wasn't released. You know, and they, they, the, the change is is very concrete. It's very clear. You know, you're, you're going along here. One incident happens. You do something they don't like. And suddenly all of that is gone. And now it's a whole different story. Right. I mean, it was very like it was like hitting a, a wall. Basically, it sounds like. Basically, what happened was yeah. is that they, there was a, a, a senior program manager who had been there for six years and I was working under him. They hated this guy. And they chased him out. So because I had worked for him, I was associated with him. They just wanted to get me out. Then on top of that, they wanted to bring somebody else to bring to take my job. And, and I got wind of it from actually somebody at headquarters. Hey, uh, somebody here is saying that he's going out there to take your job. Uh, and it, that's exactly what happened. Wow. I was doing critical work. Moving forward, all of a sudden, it stops. And as soon as it stops, it goes nowhere until they basically kick me out. And then at the last two weeks that I'm there, this guy came in and was allowed to do the work I was not allowed to do. Wow. They play all kinds of gimmicks. I mean, this this is the director. This is such an incredible wide scope story that I think is going to be such an intriguing read. I really look forward to, uh, to checking out this book when it's all done and, and said I, I, there's and and I understand there's so much more. We could probably be here all day, maybe two days straight, just talking about everything that there is to, to put into this. So I, I can only imagine the scope of, of this book. Very exciting, yeah. really. I, I mean, it, it, that, that's just that story from 2007, 2009. Yeah. Then you go fast forward to the IG. I'm working at the IG, working on the evaluation. And we have the scope that is approved in writing, signed. This is what we want you to do. We go out and do it. When they start finding out that we find information that they don't like, the interim leaders decide to now, oh, wait a moment, we don't want that in there. So I start pushing back, trying not to have a final product that has information that they don't like. Mm -hmm. And I like the quote from the Daily Beast article. Basically, the general counsel for the intelligence community wanted a feather in the cap for DNI Clapper. They wanted a report saying, yes, we have reprisal protections in the intelligence community and they work. And that's all they wanted. That's all they wanted from it, right? Yeah, that's all they wanted from it. Amazing. I want to ask you before I set you free. I, I'm gonna. I'm, I could keep you here forever talking about this. I want to ask you how your faith has gotten you through all of this because these are are, are trials um, that the average person just doesn't deal with. Just doesn't live through the the scope of what you've had to deal with here. Um, tell me a little bit about your faith and, and how that's helped you. I grew up in a Catholic house and eventually at some point in time at a young age, my father got involved in a Pentecostal church and I grew up going to a very charismatic, you know, word of God church that I learned all the Bible stories, David, Goliath, Daniel, the lion's den, the three that were thrown in the fiery furnace, you know, the disciples, Jonah, Peter walking on water. I had a really great foundation to build upon as I grew up. 
as I grew up, I developed, you know, a relationship with God, with Jesus, with the word, with the Holy Spirit. And even though in many years I was working overseas, I really didn't have a church. I still continue to read my Bible, you know, spend time listening to very good anointed teachings of the word, building up myself, building on the word, building on the spirit, praying. I, I had a good foundation. With that foundation in mind, uh, I also had a, another foundation of all that honor, integrity, that hard work that came from a Cuban immigrant family growing up in Miami, which predominantly a Cuban immigrant city at that moment in time that I was growing up. I had all that built inside of me. And I had to work really hard to eventually finish my education. I had to basically work full time and go to school at night. So, I mean, I know what it is like to grind it out, to absolutely just pound away and work hard. I learned that in sales. I did cold call sales, outside sales. I did relationship sales, account, executive account management. I had tough jobs, you know, commodity sales, you know, perishables, fruits, vegetables, you know, grocery products. Having that foundation of my faith in God, hard work, the integrity allowed me to have that inner fortitude, resilience to be able to handle the pressures that were put upon me. I mean, it was monumental, just, just how they were bullying me and trying to beat me. I mean, the best way to describe it is I, I, I told uh, one of the security officials that questioned me was, I mean, frankly, what you guys have done to me is, is, is if I would get up, I would take the chair and just start beating you with the chair. Mm-hmm. And, and then when I'm on the floor, then you start kicking me. Duh. Yeah, that's the equivalent of it. You know what happened with that story? What happened? The chief of the personal security division flipped it around and accused me of picking up a chair and threatening one of his security officers. Oh, my God. Oh. And that was one of the causes to have that bolo on me. Now I'm into the building and put me before the personal evaluation board. It's just so it, it reads like a movie. I, I have to tell you, this reads like a movie to me. So maybe that's make, next after, after the book, maybe that's what's next after. You can make a movie with this story. Yes, absolutely. Well, um, again, uh, it's such a testament to your perseverance, your tenacity, your faith, all of those things that have gotten you through to the other side of this. And of course, I know it's not you know far from over, I'm sure, in so many ways. Um, but, uh, again, I commend you for, for speaking up and speaking out and, um, and sharing your story. And, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you on air, if you'll come back and talk to me again, when that book is, is released, when it comes out. Absolutely. Be a pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Absolutely. Guys, this has been Pedro Israel Orta telling us his incredible, incredible, but very true story. And uh, stay tuned because we're, we're going to have him back on in the future and to uh, find all find out all about that book. So thank you for joining us and we will see you next week. Take care. <laughs> Hey, family, if you're looking for the perfect gift for the reader in your life, why not check out one of my books? They're all available on 
Amazon and most major online book retailers, as well as elsacurrent.com.